one from midfield. Nice seam for Nick Holly. He's going to keep running. Running away from people. Nick Holly, middle of the field, end zone, touchdown. 50 yards for the score. No concern whatsoever for Houston. Right back in the game. On the ground, here's Butler. Wow, all sorts of time. He does a pirouette into the end zone. Touchdown and right into the crowd. The man can read the sign. Watch the throw for it. Steps up and fires. It's Phillips down by the goal line and in. Touchdown, Roughnecks. Second of the day, ninth of the season for Cam Phillips, the XFL leader. Down in A-Sound, we don't brag or boast, but down in A-Sound, we do it bigger than most. And down in A-Sound, you could try if you want, but come to A-Sound, we probably see you home. What's going on, football fans? This is the XFL Show, and this is a post-game recap of the Roughnecks staying undefeated against the Dragons with their victory 32-23. to This is Bryant. And like taxes, death, and P.J. Walker to Cam Phillips in the end zone, inevitability, I am Allen. That was a <laughs> comeback, Bryant. That's the best team in the XFL. The Houston Roughnecks. Uh- it was a comeback. I don't say like the inevitability because uh, last week Ken Phillips didn't have the greatest of games. On, yeah, uh, but it's inevitable. Inevitable. He has his big moment. Now, a week later, he's not going to go too long. We saw that was such a great game from Cam Phillips to really just end it. Although it kind of didn't end exactly the way we were hoping. Yeah, Alan, let's get that out of the way now because I think it's something that we need to address. Uh, The whole world is going to be talking about it, especially after the weekend. Two seconds, maybe three, who knows? Uh, We'll never know, but it should have been clocked. It should have been one more play for the Dragons from I think it was a 22-yard line uh, with down nine, and you know that's only a one-score game in the XFL. Ah. You know, you, you hate to see it because it was such a well-officiated game throughout the entire game. To see this happen at the very end, it's going to overshadow the game. So, but I guess, was there anything they could do, couldn't do? I mean, by the time they figured out, you know, most of the teams and personnel were already off the field. Yeah, so this was unfortunate because, you, like you said, the, the worst part about it was I thought the officials and replay official in particular did a great job in this game making everything flow, making all the right calls. It, it felt like a, a pretty good game in terms of how it was officiated. But then at the end, it, it just felt like they weren't even trying. And the explanation we got, at least on the broadcast, when ESPN was able to you know, lock down mm. Wes Booker, uh, you know, the, the explanation was, well, we can't wrangle all these guys around, but they were all in the building. So obviously we're going to have to hear more of an explanation than that as fans, as football fans, you know, as betters on the game, too, who are probably furious that if you had uh, Seattle, you thought maybe they would have had one chance. I'm of the opinion that Seattle had zero chance if they played that last play of this game. But that still doesn't matter. You want to see the game and that that, you know, that gun get shot at the end at the, at the right moment. And there was probably three seconds left in this one, which would have been good for one more play. And like you said, nine point game, it's a one score game. So I can't wait to just hear, you know, the further explanation I want to hear. Hopefully Dean Blandino will speak something about this. Hopefully we'll be able to know a little bit more as to why they didn't, they didn't attempt to bring everybody back out there. Cause I understand why they let everyone go to the locker room, Bryant. I just, as a football fan, I want to know why, how the logistics of, is it that difficult to wrangle everybody out there for one more play? 
It, it, it's probably hectic. Guys are taking their pads off slowly. Referees are already in the locker room, but you feel like they could have probably pulled that off. It didn't happen. It's going to have to be discussed throughout the week. I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't overshadow what was really an awesome game to see the Roughnecks come back like that, see Seattle fight tooth and nail. It was a fantastic football game. We're about to break down. Yeah, well, let's break down that game because we'll talk all about it on Tuesday. Uh, I think more and more will come out. We'll have more information, like you said, with all those questions. Because a lot of questions to be had. Alan, you say that uh, Seattle had 0% chance if if they got the ball back. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Is they got 0% chance because they didn't get the ball back. So yeah. uh, we'll never know specifically. But we'll talk about that more on Tuesday's episode. Alan, let's talk about this game because P.J. Walker did not look like P.J. Walker through pr- basically, what, two and a half quarters, maybe three Really, uh, not himself throwing bad passes, uh, got caught with an interception, uh, some fumbles. It was just a, an off game from what we've seen P.J. Walker. Everybody has them. We talk about it all the time. But just something you didn't expect from P.J. Walker, especially not against the Seattle Dragons. Well, I kind of expected it. I, 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 I've been saying this guy looks like Brett Favre out there. He's a gunslinger. He takes risks, and they really haven't bit him at all this season. But in this game, they did. But the great thing about P.J. Walker is he's fearless and he's determined and he still went out there and had a fantastic game. Overall, he has over 350 yards passing. He threw for more touchdowns than interceptions and he made the plays, like I've been saying, for Houston when they needed him. And I also love the fact that in this game, you know, what Seattle did I thought was pretty clever uh, in terms of what they showed June Jones in the offense. And what June and, and the great thing in this was June Jones was not afraid to just say, all right, let's run the ball. He had two guys go over 50 yards rushing in this game who were very efficient. James Butler, you know, was running into the end zone and jumping into the crowd constantly in this game. Friend of the show, James Butler. And I thought Houston really adjusted to what Seattle showed him and also responded to PJ Walker's, you know rough rough patch in this game which was extended it was until the fourth quarter that he was really you know back in his full mvp j form this game though was so fun to watch because of what seattle did as well they came in there and they put pedal to the metal they they had guys on this team that grew up in texas that grew up in houston like trey williams and they went out there they executed they played tough but again i think jim zorn might have hurt them a little bit in this game brian there were some moments where he was slow to get play calls in there and at the end of the game those three and outs totally killed them all the momentum gone seattle could only capitalize off so many turnovers until their offense needed to make some moves, needed to keep up with what Houston was doing. Because Houston, even after turnovers wouldn't let up, Seattle's offense kind of ran out of steam. Yeah, B.J. Daniels, you know, lit a spark last week uh, for this team. And he, and he did it this week again, I will say. He didn't have the greatest stats game, 14 for 22, uh, 114 yards, no TDs in our interception in the air. He did have one on the ground, and I believe a two-point conversion, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um P.J. Walker, though, he did have a great game, Alan. You mentioned more TDs and interceptions. He did have that fumble, so his turnover ratio was pretty much even with his touchdowns. Uh, 27 for 38, 351 yards. But Jim Zorn, and and we've talked about it, and I don't know if it's just he's not used to it. I I can't make excuses for the man, but I'm trying to understand what's going on because that play call is coming in slowly and very slow, and his his players are becoming more and more um, irate with him. And you can see it on the field. It's not being hidden anywhere because these play calls are not coming in. They're not getting time to adjust, to, to read defenses, to 
possibly pick up a blitz. He's he's leaving his O-line out there to figure things out on the fly. It's not easy for them. So Jim Zorn, again, we mentioned it, was not supposed to be the play caller for this team. Uh, he is at the moment, and I don't know if there's somebody else that can take that role from him, but it, his play calling is not bad. It's just the way the operational process, I guess you could say, about it all, Alan. Uh, just not a great offensive production day. But also, they didn't really need to. They had the ball on the one-yard line and had to score a touchdown. I mean, that's that's just you know a bonus for them. They did everything they could, but you're right. Those three outs at the end of the game, uh, just disastrous for this team that really you know looked great at times, but also looked like the Seattle Dragons that we've seen all season long. Yeah, a team that could play with any team in the XFL, just can't break through and beat any team in the XFL. I was a fan of the play calls, 22 zipper. Get, get the ball to your running backs. Run the ball on the goal line. Uh, it was great. Uh, but yeah, get, you know, not getting the play in until you're at like 17 seconds on the play clock, it just seems inefficient. Whereas the Roughnecks, June Jones, it you wa- it's that's the great thing we get to watch these coaches in their element. We see which coaches are you know in a in a groove, are feeling it, why teams are winning, and it very much reflects with the coach's demeanor. June Jones was cool, calm, collected this whole game, as was PJ Walker after some bad mistakes, and. You saw that reflected in the third down efficiency, Bryant, 8 for 11 on third down for Houston. I mean, that is ridiculous, and you're rarely going to lose when you're that efficient on third down and you keep converting and you keep responding to your own mistakes. And like I said at the top, inevitable. I never had a doubt in my mind Houston was going to pull this one out, even down 14 nothing to start this game. I mean, I saw. I la- I actually laughed out loud when they showed on the ABC broadcast that the line now switched over to minus two for Seattle. Because what? Are you kidding? This June Jones office doesn't care about down distance or the score. Casual betters, Alan. Casual betters. That's all it's for, man. Come on. We sit here and watch these games every single second. We're watching the New York Dallas game as we're recording this episode. We we understand. But you're right. Was there a moment? I think if uh, to me, I was if PJ Walker continues to play, he's the way he's playing. They're not going to win this game. They need P.J. Walker to shape up, and he did. Uh, like you say, inevitably, I guess you can say, P.J. Walker did exactly what the Houston Roughnecks needed him to do. Allen, uh, defensively, both teams had their moments, uh, but at, at the same time, uh, it was it was a bit of an offensive battle on this end, except for the turnovers on the on the um, uh, Dragon side. But those were some bad throws by P.J. Walker as well, so I wouldn't give him full credit for it. Well, but, the one the one pick was ridiculous. Strongest fingers. Well, that was a pretty. You're right. In the XFL, <laughs> Jordan Martin with that crazy out of bounds diving interception. But yeah, the other one uh, that you know that was almost taken to the house. That was just a really boneheaded throw by P.J. Walker, and Seattle capitalized on that one. But their defense really was. You know they they were they were giving up big third downs all game long and they they showed up with the turnovers but they were bending a lot in this game and against Houston bending and trying not to break is maybe the toughest thing a team could try to do in the XFL we're learning they will break you 32 points I mean I can't believe Santos Ramirez went back out on the field after what Nick Holly did to him on that first rough next touchdown they still need to go pick up his jock strap off the field because he got Juki. Well, there's time to do it if and, they need to. Don't worry. They still have time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Alan, it, you're right. It, it, the Roughnecks are almost like Novocaine, right? It's, you know, just it's you don't need a lot of it, but just give it enough time. It'll always work out in the end. Uh, Houston goes to 5-0. and Seattle 1-4. and uh, Looking forward to next week for both of these teams. 
you have Houston actually going to New York. Uh, it's going to be the Saturday morning game. And then you have Seattle going back home, hosting the Wildcats. Both teams uh, in that game are going to be looking desperately for a victory, depending on the outcome of this New York-Dallas game. Uh, Houston, you know, don't sleep on this New York team. We thought they were out of it, but now they're back in it, uh, putting up a good fight today and put up a good fight last week. So both teams uh, have some work to do. P.J. Walker obviously can't survive with those games uh, going forward uh, all throughout the entire rest of the season yeah that that's not you know a game you want to have all the time but the thing we're learning about houston is that they are kind of i i feel i mean almost ahead at least not all head and shoulders but ahead of, of everybody except maybe st louis i think pj walker can maybe get away with that kind of game against ha- at least half the league but the cool thing about this league is that like you said seattle's one in five and we're watching New York and Dallas right now. If New York wins this game, if LA loses tomorrow, Seattle's still Bryant one and five, only a game out of playoff contention, and they still very much have tons to play for. They have their half their season in front of them, and they've shown promise. And I think plenty of time to to rectify the issues they have. This I feel I, I want to call them a good football team, but they are there's just some ingredient missing. Maybe we'll find that out in the second half of the season. But right now. There again, coming up short. Houston wins this one. PJ PJ Walker, MVPJ man. I cannot say enough about the guy's grit, and he had scouts out there watching him too. Maybe that contributed to the nerves from the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks. But star of the week early on, gotta go with Cam Phillips again, man. Ten receptions, a buck twenty-two, and two TDs. That guy is inevitable. To associate the the Seattle Dragons with something, they're like a chocolate chip cookie that if you had to put the sugar in a quarter a cup at a time uh you forgot like one of the quarter cups and so it's just not as sweet as you'd like it they're still good they're just not as good but yeah as yeah i'm gonna eat these i'm gonna eat these but they but honey no one's around Man, I'm they could be a little sweeter they could be better if company was yeah, over i would be. rave about how great these were but they're just not as good we can and we could fix them before everybody comes over for the for our big cookie uh, party next week so maybe Seattle could do it for next week against L.A. They're getting closer and closer for sure. All right, Alan. Well, that's it uh, for this game. That's our first recap of week five here in the XFL. We'll got we'll have three more uh, coming up for the rest of the weekend. I'll be in L.A. tomorrow uh, live uh, from Dignity Health Park where I'll uh, be able to broadcast these yeah, from there. Right. I can't wait. I <laughs> yeah. can't wait to get your, your, your live reacts from L.A. And I'm glad that we're taking this one all the way to the end, Bryant, completing the show two to the finish line leaving no no extra time on the clock no doubt whatsoever and we're doing that all weekend with the mini recaps baby <laughs> yes we are we will take it all the way to the hit to the clock hits four zeros all right for alan this is brian this is the xfl show remember 